So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance. Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 8 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Ed and Liz's fight goes in a very petty direction. Michael refuses to give an uncivil Angela his phone. Andre's interview doesn't go as well as he had planned. Yara tells Gwen about her plans to go to Europe. Bilal seems pretty displeased with what the fertility doctor has to say. Jenny and Samit vow to never try cowgirl again. And Kim's cow gift backfires. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we are covering the new season of Life After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? Um, not too bad. Um, we got this, you know, starting to get Halloween. October's halfway over. I right? know. And now... And now I got this crunch where it's like, oh, crap, the Halloween parties are next week. And I have to, like, figure out costume stuff. I don't know. This is why I don't usually like doing the costume stuff. It's like, (laughs) uh, it just sneaks up on me. Oh, goodness. Well, yeah. Get your hot glue gun out. It's about that time. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get started on things that probably need to get hot glued back together. And that's Michael's car. So let's talk about Michael and Angela. So Angela claims to have no more fight left in her, so she's going to go to the gym to work out her stress. She's changed her flight to leave later today, and as soon as she gets back, she plans on taking talking to her immigration lawyer to withdraw the visa papers. Angela is starting to feel guilty about the vandalism to Michael's car, but she's convinced that Michael is talking to other women on social media, so somehow that makes it all better. Angela tells her friend Renee that Michael was messaging her, complaining about her rolling up on him without any notice. Renee doesn't condone Angela's actions, and she actually understands why she did it because she saw the place she was emotionally. Angela thinks that Michael loves his social media and his car more than he loves her. Renee suggests that Angela meet with Michael one last time, but Angela doesn't think there's anything left to say. She does call Michael to meet up with Michael, and she is trying to look her best for him. Michael is upset that Angela vandalized his car. Angela is already fired up, yelling at the server to bring her three shots of vodka when she meets up with Michael. She is immediately up out of her seat, yelling about Instagram. Michael is frustrated because she just doesn't listen. He wants her to sit down so they can actually talk. But Angela gets in his face and says that she wants to see his phone. He says it's his property and he won't give it to her, but he tells us because it's he's afraid that she'll break it. Hmm. Angela thinks he's protected, te- protective of his phone because there's something to hide. Michael holds her purse so they can do some kind of like quick trade off, but Angela is not about that and she doesn't get to see his phone before she walks out to supposedly catch her flight. All right, so do you think Michael was being unreasonable about not giving his phone, or do you think that he was trying to hide something? No, I think, A, I didn't really think of it at the time, was mm-hmm. he is a 100% right that there was a 50-50 chance that she was going to destroy his phone <laughs> sure. when she took it from him, right? Right. And so, yeah, that's legitimate. But B, no, if my partner's like, give me your phone, I need to see what's on it, I I... Even if I'm completely innocent, I'm like, nope, that's not happening. 
Yeah, we're gonna have to. Talk, we're gonna have to come up with a different solution to that because I'm not doing that. If you're treating me like this, you're not gonna right. see my phone. Like, yeah. And if, if everything was a hundred percent, if I had absolutely nothing to hide, and someone demanded my phone like that, I it would be no. That's not happening um, because it doesn't make any sense. It's it it wouldn't solve the problem if she could look at his phone because she's like, I want to see everything. You know how long it takes to go somebody through somebody's phone. Yeah. Like all of his social media accounts, all of his DMs, all of whatever. Is she going to look in his files, his hidden folders that he made for his porn? I don't know. What is she going to look for the phone? She's never going to be satisfied. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you think she would have been somewhat satisfied if he offered to like show her while she was like looking over his shoulder? No. No. Like, I don't think she wanted to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. She wants to trap him she wants to be mad at him she wants to break up with him and she wants to have a reason to do it and like whatever it was if it was if it was well fine i'll scroll through my dms and you can look over my shoulder she'd be like no you're hiding something still if you weren't hiding anything you'd let me do it right Right. that wouldn't be good enough because she wasn't the end goal of what she wanted wasn't the truth it was a it was a reason to give herself the her moral high ground for whatever however she sees it for leaving him because she doesn't want to do this anymore No, I don't think she wants to do it anymore either. And I think she would be more likely to want to do this if she didn't have a backup dude. But she has a backup dude. So, I mean, she doesn't care. Yeah. And like, yeah, to bring up the backup dude and she doesn't have an answer for that. Right. Yeah. When when he brings. But it's also like how he wasn't wrong the whole time. And he was like, let's discuss this. And she's like, what is there to discuss? And if it's like, well, if you said what is there to discuss? then why are we here? Right. right? We're here yeah. to discuss this. We're not here for yeah. you to scream at me. We're not here for you to break my stuff. If you want to discuss it, if you want to hear from me, if you want to hear my side of the story, then you have to listen. And she doesn't listen. Yeah. But it's it's hard for me to feel sorry for Michael because she has never not been this way. That's true. You know? And so it's like, if he's expecting all of a sudden his wife is this completely reasonable person that he can have a conversation and like, you know, come to some kind of compromise or agreement about something, that's not who he married. No. And this is a situation he got himself into. Now, sure. the, the funny part was I thought that if anybody doesn't know Angela, it was freaking Renee. Yeah, I know, like, right? Well, you just have to sit down and have a civil conversation. You're going to feel bad if you don't sit down and have a civil conversation. It's like, what? It's like, in what world? <laughs> thinks that she can sit down and have a civil conversation about this right now. What do you? Yeah. You, how can I, who've never met this woman, know her better than you, her smoking buddy? Like, come on. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. She, yeah. And it was funny how she's like, I don't condone it, but I can understand it. It's like, mm, I don't no, know no. about that. It's also like she makes, she jumps to the most ridiculous conclusions. Like it really stuck out to me when she said something like, well, he cares more about his car than he cares about me. Because when I was breaking up his car, that's when he came outside. He didn't want to come outside when it was me. And it's one of those things that's like, I love my children more than anything. If they were <laughs> randomly throwing rocks at a window, I'd be like, why are you breaking the window? And it doesn't right. mean I care about the window more than I care about them. It means right. you're being psychotic and breaking things. Like, stop it. Right? Yeah. And then yeah. later she like 
even starts the conversation by not saying like, I know you've been flirting with women or I know you've been on dates or I know you've been talking. No, she's just like, I feel like you've been doing that. And how can you right. negate her feelings? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, I mean, she feels that way because she's doing the same stuff, right? And, yes. you know, she if she's better than Michael, which she is in her own mind, that, you know, mm-hmm. she uh, is uh, tempted to do these things, then he must be too. And that must mean he must be doing the same thing. Yeah, I just am getting so tired of hearing, hearing her talk about how he hurt me and I was so hurt. And how are you going to laugh at someone's hurt? And it's like, he didn't do anything to hurt you. No, like, yeah. And so, no, I yeah, I, I can do that because he didn't actually hurt you. You're just playing the victim for nothing. Yeah. Because you won is. out because you have this other dude. Yeah. 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 That's basically it. All right. So let's go to, let's say, let's start with Jenny and Summit. So it's time to leave Rishikesh. So Jenny and Summit are packing up to go to the old house, the real world and their problems. So she tells us that they tried the cowgirl helper from the Kama Sutra class and Jenny got too excited and broke Summit's stomach to the point where he spent the rest of the night in the bathroom, which I I I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happens. I have personal experience and I'm like, I don't that doesn't make sense anyway. Now it's, you know, now it's either cowboy now. So now it's just cowboy only from here on out. And the cowgirl can go back in the back into the stable. So also they said like the doctor healed him. They called the doctor and they healed him by praying on it. I don't know. Then he makes a joke about how it being weight related since he's too skinny. And then anyway, it was awful. At the end, we hear of... um and that's the end of here. We hear of that because on the drive home, Summit almost immediately talks about like, hey, maybe when we go back, I can um, check on my parents and see how they're doing. So they obviously have not reached out to him and he's trying to make sure that they don't cut ties. He thinks that he really has to keep like bugging them and trying like he's trying to get in a fight club or something because as soon as he starts, they'll choose Jenny over him. He'll think he chose Jenny over them. Like he could talk call, call them 20 days in a row, but if it's does it call him on day 21? They're like, that's it. He chose Jenny over us. And then if they think that, then he'll never see them again. So he feels like, also feels like if he doesn't try, they'll start to hate Jenny. Of course, Jenny snickers at that being like, um, they already hate me. So we're a little late on that. So the next scene, we see Jenny and Summit looking around the department store, trying to get upgrades for their place. Because if mom does come back, they want to make sure it's up to her standards. So first they peek at washing machines, but then at kitchen pantries so they can get all their crap off the counter in the kitchen. So again, it's all about impressing his mom if and when she ever decides to come back to their house. But Jenny is refusing to keep the house really any cleaner or better than she already does, which Summit thinks that clearly does not think is sufficient. So he was hoping for a superwoman Indian type wife that keeps his house perfectly. So Eventually, Jenny does find something that will keep the house in a nicer state with a little less effort, a vacuum cleaner. Summit does not like the idea of this. He says brooms are cheaper. And also, if you use a broom, you'll work out and stay skinnier. And oh, but then it also comes up when she asks, well, how did your mom keep her floors clean? She had a maid that cleaned the floors. So I don't know where this Indian superwoman is coming from. So even though Jenny, Jenny feels like she's been sweeping nonstop since she's been in India. 
So basically for submit, any American style housekeeping, as the way he calls it, is a non-starter. She needs to do everything the Indian way just in case it's possible to um, win his parents back over. So he wonders how bad it's going to look if they get there and they have a vacuum cleaner and the floor is still dirty. So anyway, he's arguing with her and the hole he's digging for himself just keeps getting worse and worse and worse because he's kind of just calling her a shit wife. Um, So then they end up passing on the vacuum cleaner and just going and buying the cabinet. Okay, so I I guess – where do you stand on on this in terms? So is this one of those? This is the classic question we always have. So should Submit just have to like, you know, learn to deal with what he chose to marry? Or does should Jenny be making more of an effort to be more of an Indian type housewife? Uh, I think there has to be some kind of compromise, right? Like he does have to understand that maybe she's not going to be exactly what he thought about. But I don't know, like. I think that if he wants her to be cleaner, that he could also help him pitch in. Yes. I mean, that was the part that was really off-putting. He was like, well, I want the floor to be swept. She's like, then you sweep it. And he's like, that's got kid carried away here. That's woman work. Like, <laughs> you got to clean the floor. Come on. I do agree with her. I feel like they're always sweeping the freaking floor. Doesn't it always seem that way? It does. It, it really does. Like, every time they come in, it's like, the floor needs sweeped. And it's like – and they have, like, the worst brooms, too. Like, Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It looks like a bunch of tree branches like stuck together. Yeah. Like I want where's your where's your nice like push broom or even like a straw right. broom or something? Like where's my yeah. where's my good American broom? Right. It just kind of looks like a homemade broom. Like I don't know how you made it exactly, but you just bundled a bunch of like stiff material together and you're like, this is my broom now. Yeah. I mean it look I mean it looks like the decoration we get that's like a witch's broom at Target, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just I feel like, though, this old storyline at the same time. I just, I mean, it's one of those things at this point. It's like your mom told you you weren't invited to her funeral. That's the last thing she said to you. Right. And you're just like, well, I have to keep trying to get her back. It's like, can we just like cool it for a second and maybe like think it's just it's it's so crazy that he is trying to prevent things from happening that have already happened. Like the next one. Well, I don't want yeah. my parents to start to hate you. And Jenny's like. They already do. <laughs> they already do. They have for quite a while. Yeah. I, I don't really understand like where he's coming from with a lot of this. Like it just seems like. Yeah. In his weirdo world, it's like somehow this will all go back. But, you know, I can kind of see. That if his mom is the type of person to, like, get mad, then think about it later. And so this isn't the first time she's done something like this. I can see how he still has hope. But I don't know that we've seen that. I and mean, we've seen her say other things, but this well, one was. we haven't seen it. But I mean, like, yeah. if they have a history of, you know, because I would say my mom's kind of like that, too. Like, she could, when she's mad, she can say some real nasty stuff. And then it's like, once she forgives you, like, however long that might be, it's like, everything is like back to normal again. And it's like, she never said those things. And so I can kind of see like, if she has a, if Smith's mom has a history of being like that, that, you know, he somehow is holding out this hope. But if she doesn't, then his hope is like completely unfounded and ridiculous at this point. Yeah. I mean, and that definitely comes down to 
your your upbringing and your family too because my fam my family is definitely like nobody says anything they don't mean because they're like oh if somebody said that to me i'd never talk to them again so why why wouldn't don't say that because they might never talk to you again and like that that's the kind of thing that my family like nobody would say anything if you said you're not invited to my funeral then you'd walk out and be like i guess my mom hates me now i'm moving on with my life (laughs) that would just be the (laughs) that would just be like there would be no and and so we're all like not tiptoe against each other, but we make sure we know what we mean because like if you tell somebody in my family, that's it, get out, they will leave and be gone. If you tell yeah. them to move out, they will assume that you were serious and will actually move out. And so it's weird to me to see this family that says, oh, yeah, she told me she hates me. I'm dead to her and I'm no longer her son, but I'm not sure she meant it. Right. Um, That's actually interesting because I don't think everyone in my family is like that. It's just my mom specifically. Like she's like I said, when I was younger, she has said some pretty nasty things that is just like you can't really mean that. And then it's like, yeah, she didn't really mean it. She just said it because she was mad. Yeah. And I know people do that. And that's just, again, very foreign to me. Yeah, well, speaking of which, we have another couple where saying things you may or may not mean. We've got Ed and Liz. So Liz has just abandoned her phone and her ring as Ed was telling her to pack up her stuff and leave because, as you remember, Ed was jealous because of the old co-worker who he was convinced was attracted to Liz. Ed goes home to wait for Liz as Liz is wandering around. Producers offer to give Liz a ride home, and she cries in the production van, saying that Ed is insecure and jealous. She thinks Ed is pushing her to hurt him and cheat on him, and she's just over all of it. She gets home, and Ed immediately tells her that she needs to go stay with her grandparents. He then accuses her of having a relationship with her co-worker when they were broken up. As soon as Liz asks for proof of this so-called theory, Ed says that he's done talking about this, but then tells her he wants to marry her, but he can't. Liz thinks the idea of her inviting an ex to her engagement party is absurd, just like if Ed were to invite one of his many sugar babies that he had somehow met along the way when they were broken up to the party. Ed says he can't trust Liz and then asks if she's a lesbian, and Liz denies it. Liz then spills tea about Ed not coming to bed until 5 a.m., like all those other nights, and she says that she doesn't get to hang out with anyone because he won't let her. And then Ed tells her his job is to read people, and he thinks her friends are trash. Liz tells him he doesn't know anything, like how to kiss. So at that point, things get ugly and petty because they're both accusing each other of calling the other fat at some point. Ed claims he has never called her fat, but he says he's dropped positive hints. That's calling her fat, dude. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Ed tells her to stop because she's drunk and they just need time apart. And until he gets all his questions answered, he doesn't want to marry her. Ed doesn't believe her when she says that there was nothing happening. Ed then tries to make himself a victim by saying that he's the one who lost his friends and family and he can't have any girlfriends because Liz is so jealous. Liz then comes out to dispute Ed's claim. Uh, Ed is convinced that Liz is bi. Liz is confused where these accusations are coming from since she has been given a curfew and she has no time to do anything. Ed then gets mad that Liz walked home by herself in this dangerous neighborhood. He says he doesn't want anyone who is so reckless. Liz points out that Ed isn't that attractive and he should be thankful that she loves him. 
He calls her rude and then asks her where her ring is. And Liz tells him she threw it in a bush. Ed thinks that this is the worst possible thing she could have done. He calls her dumb and he suggests that she could have pawned it to help her grandparents. He then says he's done with her. Liz says that he's insecure and she's innocent as she goes to bed. All right. In this argument, are you Team Ed or Team Liz? I mean, marginally Team Liz, because not that she was good or I thought she had the positive sides of any arguments, but Ed was monstrous. Like, just awful, 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 awful. Sure. Um, And yeah. And so, yeah. So by by default, it's like the... by the lesser of two evils, it's it's Liz. Okay, so what is what did you think was the worst thing Ed said? Um, honestly, I think his obsession about her sexual orientation is mm-hmm. gross and super homophobic and really off-putting to me. It does not matter, right? It does not matter if she's bi if she has chosen you to be committed to. Doesn't matter, right? Sure. And, yeah, and I was going to say, didn't – wasn't Rose the first person he was? Wasn't she bi as well? She might have been. Yeah, so I feel like he has experience with this, so why does it matter? I, I don't know. And, and and just like the number of times he asks, are you a lesbian? Like in the way he says it is just like mm-hmm. like it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like if this is a downside of you I should have known about, right? And then – I mean, because and that's even moved beyond that. The fact that he starts off with an accusation mm-hmm. that he is like, I know this is true. Just admit it. And it's something that's not true. Right. Like this woman, this woman co-worker was not an ex. She did not hook up with her. And right. like and so him just being I already know this happened. So you just have to admit it to me. Just do it. Just do it. Why are you being so mature? Just tell me this thing happened. It's like, what are you even talking about, man? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, things got really petty. So I agree that Liz was not innocent in all this. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, I think once we got to yeah, once we got to your fat, your dick is small. We're we're just at petty bickering at that point. You're a bad kisser. Yeah, all those things. You're just like, all right. So this is where we're at. Yeah, but I mean, Ed trying to justify his fat shaming by saying they're positive hits. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and, and and I mean, I do agree with her. For him, for him. At, mm-hmm. at his size to be going around and telling people, well, you know, I liked your friend. I liked your skinny friend better. Like, you know, like yeah. she was so skinnier. Weird. So that was more like, oh, no, that's dude. No, like it's not. It's gross when it's coming from someone who's skinnier than you. It's like when someone that's fatter than you is telling you, yeah, you could lose a little weight. And you're like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I think this just goes to show you these two people should not be together. Well, I mean, okay. So, yes, I, 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 Ed shouldn't be with anybody. Nobody deserves him. Like, and, like. Kim. Kim does. From Kim and Usman. They both live in San Diego. It could happen. It could be a thing. No, he's not an international superstar, but, um, we'll see. Yeah. It just, cause the other thing too is, I, I manage people. It was my job. I, freaking hate it when people are like, yeah. I'm an expert in this thing that you're clearly not an expert at, dude. Yeah, he's an like, expert at reading people. It's like, no, I don't think you are. <laughs> you wouldn't have so many failed relationships probably, would you? <laughs> no, or accusing people of things that didn't happen if you're so good at reading people. <laughs> yeah, just so it just it, it's that weird confidence in I suspected this 
Therefore, it must be true. Yeah. And that's just – that's what's how you become so controlling. That's how you become so jealous. If a thought entered my head, I'm such a smart, observant, you know, person that that's true. It must be true. It wouldn't have popped into my head if it wasn't true. So now it's on you to disprove that. And it's just mm-hmm. like that – it's impossible. It's impossible to satisfy him. And that's where we're getting at is no matter when this happened and it happened other times before, obviously eight other times, you're. it's never going to be enough to satisfy him because he's always going to have another suspicion that just pops into his head because he's insecure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's by the ridiculous. way, how much how much did that how much did that ring cost? Because I feel like he said it like a million times. Thirteen thousand dollars. I was <laughs> oh, like, yeah, the All thirteen thousand right. dollar ring I bought for you that cost thirteen thousand dollars that you put in the bush. You put thirteen thousand dollars. Oh my god, he said it so many times. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she was. I'm not justifying it by any means. Like, obviously, you probably wouldn't do that if you were sober. I'd hope not, right? Like, yeah. throw something in a bush. But, I mean, stuff happens. I mean, people lose their shoes when they're drunk, you know? It just happens. So, it's just like, okay, give her a break. It's not, like, the most worst thing that she could have possibly done. Like, he just definitely made it worse than, I think, like, the intention. And I'm going to put it this way. How many people have gotten in the car drunk and crashed that? Yeah. And that's way worse. That costs, A, more money, and B, yeah. is more dangerous. And, come on, sure. like, that's worse. It's not yeah. the stupidest thing she could have possibly done. All right. I'm sure you could go out and get it. Like, why wasn't that I'm like I'm sure a... you'll find – yeah, you totally yeah. find it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just put tracking on her phone because she threw it right where she left her phone. Right where she left her phone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just it wasn't a discussion to have drunk and neither of them could let it go. Right. And and so both, both of them said, this conversation is done. I'm not going to talk this anymore. And one yeah. more thing. <laughs> they both did that. I'd be willing to bet that production got her back and like picked up her phone and the ring. I bet they did. Yeah, yeah. I bet they did. Yeah. All right. So moving along, we have Yara and Jovi. So Jovi is getting ready in the dark because it's time for him to leave for work, which means he'll be on site for the next few weeks. So Jovi asks Yara one more time to please wait for him to get back before she goes to Europe. But it she's still stubborn about it and she wants to go as soon as she gets her green card. So he tells us that normally he would have no problem um, with her going alone, but not with the war going on. So Yara wants to travel with Jovi, but also feels like she's letting everyone down by not being there as soon as possible. So eventually she does relent and says that she'll wait for him. He feels a lot better about the situation now and then he leaves. So we jump ahead two weeks to see Myla and Yara meeting with Mrs. Gwen. So things are going better between them and Yara, and uh, she's looking forward to doing, you know, something with a friendly face. So they're painting signs to hang, and Yara is game, even though she doesn't get the American obsession with crafts and hanging word art on the wall. She says, in Ukraine, you just, you know, put those carpets on the wall. I don't know what she's talking about, but okay. So (laughs) while they're crafting, Yara tells Gwen that she has her green card in hand and that they'll be traveling to Czechia once Jovi gets back. So Gwen is surprised that their trip to Europe will be so soon, and she gets it, but also makes her very nervous. What if the Russians launch a bomb and it misses by a thousand miles and hits Gosh. Prague? I looked it up. Prague is a thousand miles from Kiev. Um, they should be worried about bigger things if they miss by that much. <laughs> right. I feel like 
A lot worse things are going to be going on down if that happens. Um, so Gwen knows that Yara needs to see her people. But when she asks about how long the trip is going to be, Yara kind of makes it sound like her plan is to live in Europe and just do like three visa runs a year, which is not really what Gwen wanted to hear. But then we go to the interview and it makes she makes it sound like she just wants to be she just wants to be in Europe when Jovi is off for work and she doesn't want this living alone thing. Um, and then we kind of leave it there. So, I mean, what do you think about? Miss Gwen's uh, concern. Do you think it's just the lack of knowledge of European geography that making her more nervous than she needs to be? <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that uh, Americans do not have the best sense of world geography, right? Yes. Uh-huh. I th- yeah, I think that's pretty common knowledge. And to be fair, you know, it's like if you were to ask Europeans about specific states and their locations, they oh, would sure, probably sure, sure. be equally confused and I, it's kind of like the same thing you know it's like well you know we don't yeah, remember it's, you know, exactly. it's, it's the same it's similar with americans and languages like we're not exposed mm-hmm. to that many languages on a daily basis so we don't yeah. learn as many and but yes i've definitely seen maps of like you know joke maps of what where europeans think things are and they have like <laughs> sure. the entire middle of a country between the coasts just as like texas like, like <laughs> <laughs> well texas is a pretty large state so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's probably just a lack of uh, knowledge of geography where things are. But I think also, you know, it is scary if anyone thinks of, you know, war. It's like, is there really a strict delineation of, you know, like the war is going to stay contained in this area? You know, and, and they're, they're, but there, but that's the thing. That's a kind of a misunderstanding of yeah. history and diplomacy is, mm-hmm. yeah, it pretty much is because if a bomb hit Czechia, mm-hmm. we're invading Russia. Like that's like, it's, it's like, that's not a thing that accidentally happens. If right. you're on the edge of border zones, like maybe, but this is, yeah, you have to be pretty close. And if like any kind of, they're very strict about like anything leaving the designated sure. war battle zone because things get, very hairy very quickly when that happens yeah i think the other thing to kind of uh, keep in mind too is i feel like the borders are a little bit more evident and obvious when you're in europe than you are here like it's not always so you know it's like oh you crossed a state border sometimes there's a sign but if for some reason a state had to defend itself or like somehow close itself off from other states, that would be pretty near impossible. Oh, yeah. I'm sure like all the – yes, any any road they're going to put up, everybody – because there, there was tons of refugees coming out of. And yeah. they're national borders. I mean that's the thing too mm-hmm. is most Americans never see, at least on a uh, regular basis, they don't see national borders. Right. Right. And when we do travel, they're like me. They travel to England where you don't see a national border. Right. <laughs> and you travel you're like, contained <laughs> yes. on an island. <laughs> yes. There's an go to – or we go to, you know, the Caribbean and things like that. We just right. tend to travel to islands. And even we yeah. don't like, you know, fly to Cancun or something. Still, no national borders around. Right. Uh, and so you're right. It's not a state border. It's not like, oops, oh, or shoot, are we in like – I've gotten a ticket in D.C. and I'm like, I've gotten a traffic, you know, speeding ticket yeah. in D.C. And I was like, I didn't know I was in D.C. Right. Damn. right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's very obvious and evident when you move to a different country like in uh, Europe. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's just, I mean, and so I, I just, I always thought the, the concern about her going 
with or without Jovi was always overblown for that same reason. Like she's mm-hmm. not going some she's not planning on going as far as we've heard going on somewhere that's actually dangerous. No. Um and that's the other thing that I'm not quite sure of. And I mean she probably doesn't know now either cuz it sounds like she's everything is like kind of on the fly, but she mm-hmm. keeps on saying that she wants to help her friends and family in Ukraine. So it's like does that mean going there or is she mm-hmm. just going to stay with her mom and try to help from there. So I don't right. know. It is kind of scary because you're just like, well, is your intention to go to Ukraine or you just want to do some kind of effort to help? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, mean, I get it. But yes, there's a huge difference between even the places like the war had left Kiev for a while. But man, damn, it's it's mm. bad again. Right? There's, there's still things going on. So there's really not safe places. But that's within the borders. And so, yeah, she was planning on going to Ukraine, which is not clear. I agree. Mm-hmm. That is a different story. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Libby and Andre. So Libby and Andre's family are eating breakfast, getting ready for the visa interview. Andre's dad, Stefan, is still there and he's going to watch their daughter, Ellie. Andre is nervous and stressed. Libby is testing Andre like, how many times a week do they have sex? Andre answers, none. But Libby says that they should lie so they at least have the same answer. So she thinks two sounds good. She continues to test his knowledge of her favorites. Andre doesn't think that this is important. He thinks that they will read his body language to see if he's nervous. Andre claims to be nervous. Otherwise, he would not be nervous laughing at a dumb fart joke Libby just made. Andre is getting impatient and frustrated as Libby tries to help him tie a tie. And in the end, Andre ends up with his tie being a little too comically short. After the interview, Libby and Andre are very tense and Libby is upset. Andre tells her not to be negative as she starts to cry. Andre says that they were grilled and that they weren't approved. Libby thinks that it took a turn for the worse when Libby and Andre didn't agree on what year they met. Andre is blaming Libby for stumbling over questions and giggling. Libby cries and says she wants Ellie to grow up there and they'll never get to see her family. And Andre says, great. (laughs) (laughs) He believes that her family will be happy to know how their interview went. And he's convinced someone from her family reported him to uh, USCIS. Andre tells her not to tell her family about what happened. And Libby tells him not to tell her what to do. And she can't think of why someone would try to sabotage them. Andre says that if they have to pack their bags, that's what they have to do. But there's nothing that they can do now. Uh, So to be clear, their uh, visa wasn't denied. It just wasn't approved. So do you really think that they got hung up on the fact that they didn't agree on the year? Or do you think Andre was right? They were reading body language. I don't I don't know. I don't know how this works. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that they were ever going to approve it. Um on that day anyway i think it was a formality and they would they would kind of go back although we did see when um yara did her interview it was it was that so may i i would agree that it's probably the quote-unquote answer that's wrong and i think they were like well we had a little bit of an irregularity we're gonna see it because the thing is is i know he's still here Yeah, right. Oh, oh. actually, um, I will say we haven't done a rumor roundup in a while, but they actually just had their second child. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we know that they're all still here. And so, yeah, I don't and I don't know if it was I don't know if they read body language because I think that's notoriously inaccurate and notoriously um, 
you know, not everybody reacts with the same body language all the time. Some people right. get really nervous telling because because it, it does the thing, and it reminds me of like you know, they, Jay Leno used to do the the jaywalking things. You see all kinds of TikToks and stuff about this now. We just go up and ask a stranger, random stranger, something really easy, like who was the first president? And they're like, uh, uh, Lincoln. And you're like, no, but it's it's not because they're that dumb that they don't know Washington was the first president. Right. It's because you put a camera in their face and you ask them questions and they get nervous and they stammer and give you the wrong answer. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, this is a very nerve wracking situation. And some people are going to respond to that differently. And it, I actually would feel like if you had such clear body language that you were like so great, you, wouldn't that seem rehearsed? Wouldn't yeah. that seem more fake mm-hmm. if you weren't like super nervous about getting deported? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know. I, I just feel like um, it does suck that it's been drawn out because, I mean, Yara and Jovi, they just, you know, they've only been on the show for a year. And granted, yeah. this is like off. So it's like, yeah, maybe she's been in the country for two years. But Andre's been on the show for a long ass time. Like, how has he not got his green card yet? Well, this is his green card renewal. This is because remember. Oh, oh, this is his. Uh, is this for his citizenship? No, this is for his his ten year card because oh, he got okay. he got a two year card, and now this is for his ten year card. Um, but you know, we just saw that that Yara just got her ten year card because she got it after she was already here for two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's not going to have to do that because then she can just do her citizenship before the card expires. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And I mean, the thing was, Andre was kind of a dick. <laughs> like He her. was. Like, like, she starts crying, don't be negative. It's like, really? I mean, yes and no. So I get where he was coming from. Um, I think he kind of took it out on her. But yeah, like I get where he was, she was coming from. He, where she, he was just she was like, well, we we there's got to be something we can do. And he's like, no, there's, there's literally nothing we can do. Right. We all we can do is sit here and wait. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. And she's like, well, you're being negative. And he's like. That's what it is. Like, we can't yeah. do anything now. So, yeah. All right. Well, going on, let's go to my last group. Um, Kim possibly, you know, might we might we we're shipping her with somebody else. But right now she's with Uzman. <laughs> so despite the non-approval from last episode, they're still on their way to the central market to get this gift for Usman's mom. Again, because Usman has not yet told Kim what his mom said about like, no, I'm not going to approve this. The gift this time is a cow, which is good, you know, step up from a goat and cows can bring in a lot of money. So Kim has a bit of a petting zoo moment, which apparently she's like, I've never touched a cow or a goat before, which means she's literally never been to a petting zoo, I guess. So eventually we get the owners of the cow to come by and ask what it is they need. So it's actually the owner's first time ever seeing a white person in real life. And he's impressed that she's getting this cow for Usman's mom. They pick one of um, they pick one out and then the haggling starts and it's not much of haggling. They started about 500 American dollars and get it down to 450 or so. So Kim is ready for what she says is the most nerve wracking experience of her life since fighting in Kuwait. So the next day she's calmed down a bit Um a little bit, and Usman is trying to psych her up to get that mama's blessing because you know, which I feel like is unfair of him because he already knows she's she already promised him he would she would say no. <laughs> so Kim says that she's never wanted anyone to like her as much as she wants his mom to like her, and then they're on her way. Before she enters, she puts on a headscarf which doesn't actually cover all that much of her head, 
um, at first. She ends up pulling it up later. Um, and hoping that this cow will do most of the work of getting everybody to like her for her. So when they enter, the room is filled with Usman's mom, Fatimatu, his elder brother, Muhammad, and other assorted family members. Usman, Usman tells her that this is basically the council that will be the advisors to the mom so they can make the decision. But the decision is going to be mom's alone. So they start to butter her up with the small present of a bracelet before all the interrogation starts. So everybody kind of goes around in a circle and has many, many reasons why this is an awful idea. And they all want the same thing that, that mom wants. Just could you please just find a house a woman that is young enough to have babies? That's literally that, – that, those are the only two requirements, Usman. That's all we need. So Muhammad point blank tells him that this time around, he can't support the relationship. So Usman is trying to plead his case about Kim's goodness when there is a knock at the door for the cow delivery. And it does not go like Kim wanted it to go. She thought they would be impressed with her generosity, but instead they're insulted that she was trying to bribe them. So Kim keeps saying, at this point, they just talk in circles in, in, in a different language. And Kim goes around being like, can I speak? Can I speak? Can I speak? And nobody lets her. So it things, seems like things are going downhill. So... Man, I think this is the worst. This is the, the worst reception anyone's ever gotten from a family, right? And there's been some bad ones. I don't know. Je I would uh, argue Jenny and Smith. <laughs> okay, fair so enough. Well. Fair enough. But I mean, but at the same time, they probably went better the first time when mom didn't realize that that was actually trying that Jenny and Summit were actually a couple. Because remember, we always hear the story about how uh, Jenny was actually friends with Summit's mom before she found yeah. out. Right, yeah. because she was living in the attic and Summit yeah. was sneaking upstairs to bang her. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but it's not it's not good. Uh, but I don't know. There's been weird speculations, like, that they're already got married, like, they're trying to analyze his Instagram. And I don't know. People are definitely read way more into things than they should because I saw the picture that people thought they got married over. And I'm just like, no, that could be a photo, like, a, a music video shoot, you know, like... Just because there's white around doesn't mean that's a wedding. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean, and, and and especially because like white at a wedding is kind of a Western European thing. Mm -hmm. It's not like a universal global thing that like right. oh white must be a wedding. Yeah, so it was you're like kind white of... with flowers, and people were like, "Oh, you got married! Congratulations!" It's like <laughs> he's not even in a picture with her. It's just him by himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, he loves nothing. He, the only thing he loves, you know, more than old American women is pictures of himself. So yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I just don't know if it's going well for her. But at the same time, I just can't see them breaking up if mom says no. It just means that they can't be married. <sighs> but is she going to stick around for not being married? That's a good question. I don't know. I think it depends on what their arrangement is. You know, well, it, I mean, it sounds like it seems like from at least a little bit from the from the previews that his arrangement is going to be like, listen, we can't be married, but you can stay with me and I'll marry somebody else and have babies with her. Yeah, which <laughs> I, I could see that or I could see, you know, him saying to her on the side, like, hey, you know, just because we can't marry, can't get married doesn't mean we have to break up. I'll work on my mom. We'll get an approval. Maybe not now. Maybe not today. 
But in the future, you just got to put in time. I could see him saying that just to keep it going. Yeah, but I I, I don't know. I I don't know what he's getting out of it. And it's and it it was just really funny because the people, all of them did not give a flying fuck who Kim was or what she represented or how she was as a person. They were just like, no, this is dumb. You're not doing this. Yeah, and that's well, what she said. She, and I feel like she felt that because she kept saying, "Well, can I just speak for myself?" And they're like, "We don't care." You were like, have to say. "No, we don't care what you have to say." I was actually <laughs> impressed that the brother actually said Kimberly. Like uh, he pronounced it better than Usman did. No, it wasn't Kimberly. Yeah, I it was know, right? Kimberly. Yeah, I got yeah. the R. Yeah. Okay. Also, Kim is super ridiculous. Why is she saying this is harder than Desert Storm? It's like really. I don't know. Some people have pretty easy desert storms, I think. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But still, like, that is where your life could be threatened at some point. In theory. Physical, bodily. uh, Wait. Oh, yeah, that's true. Was she even deployed or was she just like some admin person? But still. Okay, but she would have been. Oh, no. Yeah, because at the time, I'm thinking about it. At the time. Like they didn't – it was 1991. They didn't – there was no women in infantry units or anything. Yeah. So she would have been support personnel anyway. I think she drove a truck or something, which could still be really scary. Like yeah. in Iraq, driving a truck was one of the most dangerous things you could be doing. Oh, like that's for sure. Tr- it's like, okay, something that could possibly cause you bodily harm more scary than what some lady thinks about your relationship. Yeah, but it, it's her entire future and love. Again, her la- her last chance at love. She'll never have another relationship again after this one. Well, probably not if everyone sees this show. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, let's end with Bilal and Shida. So Bilal and Shida have been called into the doctor's office and Shida is feeling nauseous and nervous because she's dreading bad news. Bilal isn't worried because Shida's side of the family is very fertile. The doctor wants to go over the test results. Uh, Dr. Marable says that her egg reserve is low, and if they want to have a baby naturally, time is of the essence. Bilal asks if it's due to her age, duh, Bilal, and the doctor goes over the likelihood of getting pregnant naturally after the age of 40. Not very good. Shida doesn't like the chances, and it sounds really low to her, because the doctor actually said about 5% chance. But he said 5% chance every cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like she doesn't listen. (laughs) Right. Well, neither of them are the best at listening to these doctors, apparently. Uh, Shida (laughs) feels like the results mean her fertility is compromised and she is worried that she may never have children. The doctor says he wouldn't wait more than six months if this is something that she really wants. He says that after six months, if uh, conceiving naturally is unsuccessful, then he would suggest other options like freezing eggs. The doctor would never advocate for a baby when the couple isn't ready, but he thinks that they need to figure it out fast. Bilal is having a hard time seeing Shida get emotional, and Shida thinks that they need to start trying now, otherwise it's a deal breaker. All right, so we didn't really get too much of what Bilal kind of thought about this, but how do you think Bilal... I feel like his face, I feel like his face was very expressive about what he was thinking about all this, which was like, God, no, this is not the news I wanted. You should not be saying this. Please shut up, doctor. Well, that's not what I meant, right? Because Bilal has a way of like hearing what he wants to hear. So we didn't get to hear his debrief of what he thought the doctor said. So what do you think Bilal heard in this session? I, I, I mean, I think the doctor did the thing that he was supposed to do this time. And I think it's yeah. going to be very hard for him to hear that you should wait 
Right. Because he was he was very much like, oh, so are you saying this is age related? And the doctor was like, yes, the longer you wait, the less likely it is to happen. <laughs> like, and his face is just like, you're not. And you just, me just made the face where he just like wanted to he just tell, he just wanted to shut up, you. That's not what you were supposed to say. Well, yeah, because it shows that she was right this whole time and he's an yes. idiot. Exactly. I just did my quick probability calculator here. So if it's 5% every cycle, it's like a a 33% chance for the year. Okay. Well, I mean, right? that's still Which not Which is not Yeah, it's still not good. Certainly not great. Um, yeah. but and yeah, it's not like it's not like well she hears that and like she just I mean, it, it's just her misunderstanding too cuz you know, Bilal hears what she wants to hear, but she also heard worst case. He said, "Hey, 5% chance every cycle." And she heard, "Oh, the doctor just said it was impossible." Yeah. Like, he did not say that. He distinctly did not say that gave you a possibility chance. So Yeah, but I still think that's pretty low, like 33%. Like that's I mean, most people are like comfortable with like 50%. At least that's the flip of a coin. That is the flip of a coin. Yeah. But and it, and it probably goes down. It goes down as you get older, right? So right, everyone is, right. is lower and lower. I didn't know. It, I went down the rabbit hole because I didn't know about this whole like, – like I knew, I knew that women are born with all the eggs they'll ever have, right? Yes. That's part of the – I did not – I just assumed it was like a couple hundred because you multiply one egg per month yeah. for however many months and there sure. you go. I, it was like I didn't know that there was – he was like, oh, you're born with like two and a half million. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and so I Some went down a whole rabbit hole. That, well, apparently there's like a thousand that come up to be nominated every month. And like <laughs> your body picks one and the rest of them just die. Like, yeah. It's like weird. I don't know. It's just that was – so I learned something with this. If I learned did nothing, I learned that in this show. <laughs> I learned about eggs. Well, that's good. I learned about eggs, yes. Yeah, not that that matters to you now because you're not trying to have more children ever. No, but I keep – damn, I'm a, I'm a dude though. I do, we just keep making more and more and more. <laughs> Worst. Yeah. So I don't know. It, this is interesting. Um, it, she's never talked about it, but how would she feel about adoption? I feel like she wouldn't be open to it. I don't think she'd be open to it. Nope. Yeah. I think I, – I, I just think she's – and you know how much these people bother me. The ones who are like, but it's not my child. Yeah. It's like, I just wanted to raise my child. Um, and I think they're going to have to I – mean, I, I think your chances might be a little bit better. And they're, it just sounds like they're going to have to go for actual fertility options, right? Yeah. Right, for whatever it is. Whatever I mean, they I have think to they should have been that. doing that anyway, right? Right. Like well, try naturally it, it, and get yeah, some eggs harvested. It is frustrating that um, – Bilal was like, I think we're putting the cart before the horse. And the doctor's like, oh, no, you definitely already waited too long. Like, you have to get on this now. Right. But but I I feel the doctor's, you know, conflictedness, too, because he's like, these people are not on the same page and they shouldn't have babies. Oh, yeah. If you're not on the same page, you shouldn't have babies. But biologically, you got to shit or get off the pot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad for Shida because it's pretty clear right now. It's like when push comes to shove, Bilal doesn't want to have a kid. He doesn't. Here, here he we does are. not. Here we are. If you if you told him, yeah, he ideally will wait for later and see how it is. But if you told him it's now or never, then he'd say never. Yeah, like without without hesitation. Yeah, yeah. He was just trying to run out the clock. Mm-hmm. All right. All so right. that is everyone, right? We saw everyone this time. So out of this group, who was your student of the week? 
Oh, this was hard. I most was. of them, most of them have just garbage, 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 garbage. So I guess I'll go with the default of Yara. For mm-hmm. at least she did the thing to like help the family, mm-hmm. right? And, and agree to go when Joby comes back. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. To make, kind of sacrifice what what she wanted for the for what what was kind of viewed by everyone as the the quote unquote better choice. Yeah. Uh, I actually went with Michael. Um, I felt like he was trying to be reasonable. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just <sighs> Angela cannot be reasoned with. But he kept trying. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's just like I want to come off as the better person in this awful fight. And well, big, being easy. reasonable is the way to do that. <laughs> that's yeah, easy it, with Angela. It should be pretty easy. Yeah. 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 All right. Who was your dunce? All right, so just because I felt like I said Ed a ton of times already, um, I'm actually going to go with Andre because mm-hmm. he was very aggressive and very much like, this is your fault. You're the one who did this. You hesitated. I you know. gave him the wrong date. Like it was, which was not helpful, especially when he acknowledged angrily, of course, that they couldn't do anything about it now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I went with Ed. He's not my dunce as yeah. much as he is yours. But uh, yeah, it's just like some of the stuff he said was just so, so nasty. It's like that stuff. It, it really that, is. Yeah. You can't take back. And so that was actually my life lesson. There are just some things that you can't take back. So you should not be saying things in an emotional place and you should be thoughtful about what you say, especially if you're talking about things that are tangibly in the future. Like Ed says, like, get your stuff and leave. That's not something you can take back. Well, apparently right. you can eight times, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so mine was also related to my dunce. I went, I went with, it's kind of for Andre. And this is something that I work have to work on myself is you have to really try hard to not take out your frustrations on just whoever's closest to you mm-hmm. because he wasn't mad at Libby. Yeah. Like he was mad at the system, the situation, the things. And I, and I tend to do that too. I tend to do it a little bit to my kids and to my partner where I just, I get mad and I don't like yell at them for what they did, but I angrily rant at them, which is not, <laughs> Good. And it's not helpful. And I try hard. That's my life lesson to myself as well. Stop yeah. angrily ranting at people who right. didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> All right. So um, I feel like progress is being made. So this episode was actually kind of interesting to me. So. Uh, yeah. So it does seem like we're moving to new places like Bilal and Shida have to actually make a decision at this point. Right. Right. And 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 it looks like we'll get some changes of scenery with Yara and Jovi and, um, you know, yes, but things were moving. Agreed. Yes. Progress is being made. So uh, we will be back uh, same time next week with same route. Yep. OK. So until then. See everybody then. All okay. right. Bye. Right. Bye.